Blog Talk Radio. On Friday, I did a Zoom show, and two guys were jerking off during my set. Ah, yes. I've still got it. I'm Brett Singer. This is my show. That's a true story, that thing that actually happened to me. Hello, hello, hello. It is Brett from the Bunker. I'm Brett Singer. It is Monday, June 15th. The year is 2020. We like to point out the year because you never know. You might have forgotten because, you know, in some ways it doesn't really matter. Except when you say, damn you, 2020, then it's important. So uh, we are here, and it is Monday, and I am joined today by Corey Kahaney. Corey, welcome. Thank you for having me. Or what if this is found in, like, a time capsule? You know, there you and go. It's the only only proof that you um that you had this show in like 2050 they can say oh <laughs> my god i wonder when they did this and then now you have the answer <laughs> that's exactly right so i am doing a public service this is really my my service to the world and i think it's important um so i ask everyone this story i will ask you how are you holding up um i'm you know i think i'm in denial because i really like it <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Honestly, I really, I mean, you know, yes, I've had some epic uh, fights with my husband in the past, um, I would say in the past two weeks, because we had been getting along so well, and then there was this this kind of a a sense of, um, yeah, that was a fun fantasy that you guys get along that well. But, I I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm loving being home. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm a comedian of 27 years in the past Four or five years, I've been on the road almost constantly um, away from my family. So I am really loving being home. That's nice. That's a good thing. I mean, yeah. I think I'll tell you there are a lot of things about this that I'm that I'm enjoying. I mean, I I have succumbed to the day pajamas, night pajamas thing that started last week, where I don't even put on real pants anymore, which I feel like might be a sign that things are not going well. But boy, is it comfy. So I don't know what to do. Um, but I do – I don't know. There are definitely aspects of it that I'm enjoying, and I, I feel the same way. I feel a little bit like am I just in denial? Do I just, am I just not dealing with this well? Yeah, yeah. I think I'll probably have a big wake-up call in, uh, at the end of July when the, um, the uh, government matching $600 runs out. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, for, uh, what I'm speaking to is if you're unemployed right now, you're getting a special bump from um, from Nancy Pelosi. I, I, don't, I don't think it's actually from Nancy Pelosi, but I like to just say this is the Nancy Pelosi money. And okay. um, I, I always say thank you, Nancy Pelosi. Um, and uh, that's going to run out at the end of July, and then it'll be like, okay, how am I going to pay bills? Um, right. Now, right now, now I need to get started. Yeah. I don't know. I um, I love to cook, and so every day I I you know watch like ten videos of how to make something on YouTube, and then I uh, and and then I plan the whole day around a recipe. I, it's crazy, but I'm I'm getting a lot of joy out of that. You're making fancy stuff too. I saw on Facebook. You're you know you're a serious cook. 
I'm having a lot of fun. And also <laughs> I have this theory I have this theory that um there's there's somebody out there and it's definitely an Asian person who's like, Okay, let's throw another recipe at her. I know she has eighteen Asian ingredients in her pantry, but let's let's find the one ingredient she's missing. And I, I just <laughs> always feel like I'm playing three card Monty with my Asian ingredients. Like this morning I got up and I was, I was going to make this one thing and I don't have the uh, sesame paste. So oh, of course. What, and what pantry doesn't have sesame paste? I mean, come on. Well, I have, I have, I have tahini, but that's the, you know, that's the Jewish sesame paste and they want no part of that. The Asians. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they don't like to mix cuisines. <laughs> we can't have that. We cannot have that. So have you been doing any we Zoom cannot. shows? Oh, a, a lot. A lot of okay. Zoom shows. And um, some, of the, some of the things I've learned, for example, I've learned that uh, you have to have your devices plugged into a charger because those Zoom shows suck the, um, the power down. Have you noticed that? Oh, no. You know, it's funny. I, I finally got my office at home set up, so I have my laptop usually plugged in. Um, constantly. I, and right. actually, yes, you know what? Yeah, I, did one, to... I did one on a phone and it really did. It took like an hour and it drained the battery. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Well, I use, I, I use a, a, an iPad a lot because it gives me some uh, flexibility. Very often I'm up at my in-laws house in, um, in the Berkshires. So it's easier for me to lug the iPad up than my husband's, you know, 2011 laptop. And, oh, okay. um, Yeah. But uh, I don't know. We have we're having such a thing. My husband really doesn't want to give in to um, to the Apple uh, 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 cult, and so oh, that's hard. Everything, that's hard to resist. Yes, he keeps he keeps everything Windows. He keeps everything um, you know uh, everything as a as a PC, and it's really annoying. So it's like there's some things I can do on my phone and my iPad, but there's some things I can't do on this, and I don't know. I'm yeah, really, no, that's, um, a, that's just, a tough cult to resist. That's I, a very hard cult to resist. Yeah, I want to. I want to adopt a 35 year old, um, a 35 year old Korean kid who um, <laughs> would like would like citizenship, and all they have to do is come over once a week and and do stuff for me <laughs> that I can't that's, figure out. That's not a bad deal. I mean, if you're talking about full on adoption and citizenship, that is not. And you're right. not even, they don't. They don't even have to live with you. They can have their own apartment. Not, exactly, and we'll study each other about you know we'll go to the the um you know the citizenship uh, interviews with the uh immigration you know not to mention my husband's a lawyer and he you know he can handle the immigration um applications i think I think it's a great deal that's a, i like that I like that a lot um yeah. so and are, are people, you doing wait a second people are going to no, say that was you know people are going to say that that was racist i apologize. Uh, in advance, it can be anybody from Southeast Asia. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not particular. <laughs> I'm glad no, you clarified. No, it could be it could be someone from Pakistan. It could be someone from from uh, from China. It could be someone from uh, from Laos. I would love okay. a Laos person. <laughs> Laotian, I think that's called. I believe, I believe a Laotian. Lao- yes, a Laotian. A Laotian. Yes. I think that's yes. how it's pronounced. Probably not. Um, so on no. the on the Zoom shows, are you doing are you, are you doing a lot of quarantine material? Uh, I mean, 
yeah, because I mean, it makes it makes it, it, it. That's what they're expecting, and I, I mean, certainly that's what's in everybody's you know everybody's consciousness. You know, I um, I, I find myself talking very ex- extemporaneously about my experience, and so that that overlaps, right? That overlaps. Right. I made a joke right. yesterday, and I I said I'm losing my mind. I was getting ready for the Zoom show, and my husband said, you're putting perfume on to do a Zoom show? (laughs) That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. Yes. Um, I mean, at this point, if you put on pants, you're you're going crazy. (laughs) Right. Um, What else am I doing? Well, you know, uh, there's been some some minor rants about how much – I, uh, A, I didn't realize I liked people, and B, I, I am so desperate for interaction that I will talk to anyone. You know, like huh. I'll talk to – at this point, I would talk to vegans. Ooh. <laughs> I would talk to – yeah, I would talk to that, that, that uh, preschool mom that I run into once every 10 years, and she's still talking about her divorce. I would talk <sighs> to uh, <laughs> an, uh, an Arab cab driver who wants to explain why Israel shouldn't exist. I mean, I would talk to anyone. <laughs> You're really starved for conversation. Yeah, I will. I I want to have one of those altercations, you know, with an old woman who stands on the street while I try to parallel park, and she's watching me like I'm doing some sort of, you know, some sort of delicate uh, brain surgery, and she's fascinated, you know. And I get out of the car and I can just go, what is your problem that you had to do that to me? This is good. People don't this understand. If you're not from New York, it's it's not a thing. But in New York, there are sick people who just stop and watch you park as though they're expecting you to, um, you know, rear-end a car and they want to witness it. Maybe they don't want to pay for Netflix. You know, maybe that's their entertainment. <laughs> they're just cheap. <laughs> They're just really, really cheap. No. Um, it, it, are you? So are you someone who writes? It's a judgmental moment they have, don't right. you think? I think, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I think they're absolutely judging you. I would definitely take it personally. I would totally do that. <laughs> now, are you someone who writes every day, or do you have like a writing discipline? Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. But I, okay. I, I will tell you that I that I make a list every day where I say 10 minutes. Um, I'm starting to do this thing where I'm trying to, cause there's always now with the pandemic, I'm, 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 I've got a few things going at once. You know, I'm writing a, a long piece that I don't know where it's going. It may end up being um, a short story or a memoir or, or a novelette. I can't, a novella. And then I'm writing stand-up, and then I'm also working on Mother Nature, which is this character that I'm developing to um, to sort of uh, wink, wink, explain the pandemic. Okay. So multiple multiple hands, multiple projects. Right. Lots and of things, I'm lots very of happy. I'm very happy if one of those projects gets 15 minutes. And you know, my son has learning disabilities, and I'm taking a a, a, a um, a tip from him. He set, he pulls out his cell phone and he says, Siri, set a timer for 20 minutes. And that's how he, he breaks it up into 20 minute chunks of work and it doesn't feel so overwhelming. And, um, you know, I notice when I do that, I end up working more than 20 minutes, but I, I, I have to do something to sort of psych myself into, um, 
into into working because don't you find that it's hard to uh, focus um, in in this climate where it's like, you know, who cares? Oh, absolutely. I have been fight every single day. I fight the urge to just sit down and watch Netflix. And I, I have friends who tell me they've run out of things to watch. And to that, I just have to say, I was like, well, then you got to get a hobby. Like you got to do something because that's a lot of television watching. There's a lot of stuff right. on Netflix. If you've really finished it, then maybe we maybe we need to talk because there's you know you just write a write a uh, memoir or something. There's got to be something you can do because so, uh, <laughs> it, it, it would just be so much easier. Well, don't you want? I mean, I allow myself to watch anything I want after eight o'clock. Oh, ab- I mean, yeah, absolutely. I don't watch Once all- it's nighttime, totally. Totally okay. agree. All right. Yeah. You're talking about day drinking or. Yeah, exactly. Day, I'm talking, I'm talking about it's noon and you're and you're just going to kick back and, you know, rewatch Tiger King or whatever, you know, whatever the hell it is that you're right. obsessed with or whatever Netflix this week, Space Force, whatever the thing is that Netflix is telling me I should yeah. watch this week. There's always there's always one Netflix show that they're that they're, they're saying everybody's yes. watching this. Don't you want to watch it? And I'm like, well, not really. Right, right. Although Space Force was really fun to watch with the whole family. You know what I mean? My son loved it because he, he, he discovered The Office later. And, um, you know, Kenny, my husband and I loved, you know, loved The Office. So for us, the, you know, because it's the same producer of The Office. It, it oh, felt, is that right? Oh, I didn't realize it that. Felt, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it felt very, um, I don't know, it, reassuring and uh, nurturing to watch that show. Um, oh, yeah. Not I'm not knocking it. I haven't seen it. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, you haven't you haven't seen it? No, 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 I haven't. I, I I have a lot of stupid nerdy superhero things that I watch, so that's ten, that's tends to take up a lot of my time. There's there's a, there's a tremendous amount of nerdy superhero crap, and so I'm yeah. I'm way behind on all that. So I so I've just been catching up on that. Um, and so like you know like I never got to Tiger King, and it's also the kind of thing like I would probably watch it if my wife wanted to watch it, but she's actually been she's been busy working, so I haven't really we haven't really sat down and watched a lot of TV. Hmm. Wow. The whole so time yeah, I missed the whole Tiger watching. King thing. Oh well, I I planned on watching one, and just so that I could say I understood where you know what all the jokes were based on, and um. And then I woke up from a coma after three days, and I saw the whole thing. <laughs> it, yeah. it really sucks you in. It's you know what it is. You cannot believe that these people exist, and I don't know. <laughs> I kept trying to make myself feel better and saying, "Not one Jew in the bunch. Not one Jew in the bunch." But then I realized <laughs> that uh, in Florida, the 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 woman that was the um, antagonist. Was married to a Jew, so I couldn't oh, even no. claim that oh, these no. they, they got did not us. have a Jew. There was, yeah, they got Oh, us. that's terrible, terrible. Uh, I may have to watch it now. I didn't know there were any Jews. <laughs> now I'm going to have to check it out. I mean, there's nothing Jewish remotely, but I think the guy, based on his last name and his, you know, his his facial structure, and I and you know, I, I think. I think his name is Marty or something. I can't remember. I I, I just think he's Jewish, but um, okay. I, there's there's no menorah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no menorah. <laughs> I like it. I just was like I was trying to make myself feel like okay, this is not my people. This is this is the whole thing that happens in the Midwest and the South, and it's it's just I'm just I'm just you know rubbernecking like everyone else. 
Right. Well, but, I mean, it'll certainly um, capture the imagination. I mean, they clearly, I mean, they released it at exactly the right time. I mean, obviously they didn't plan it that way, but yeah. Um, I, I mean, that was the that was the open mic topic for. I mean, I don't know, a month, two months, like that. That was just sure. everybody had Tiger, hot Tiger King takes. That was just a that was a huge yeah. thing. Um, I, I, I don't expect this. Probably. Oh, sorry, yeah, we ahead. should probably put that into a, into the hack file now. Tiger King goes into the hack file. I think okay. there's a couple of things. Marie Kondo probably needs to go into the hack file. Oh, yeah, I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true. We're, we're, we're start, we're, these are both Netflix shows, which is interesting. Right. I don't, know. Well, I, don't know if, I don't know if that means anything. Does quarantine material need to go into the hack file? Like, is quarantine material over now that we're starting to reopen? Um. I think it depends on the material. First of all, you know my theory. If a joke is a really good joke, don't lose the joke. And I'm okay. talking about really well-structured, funny joke. You can still do it. Um, but I don't I, – I think for, the second I hear anybody mention toilet paper in a joke, I just – I want to turn it off because, like, that is the most hackneyed premise at this point, and I, you know, enough with the toilet paper jokes. Um I don't think so. I think that, uh, for example, I have one of my students, and I, I don't know if you know this, I, but I coach people. One of right, my, right. One, of my um, one of my mentees, if you will, is actually doing a paid spot in a club before me, and uh, she's what? doing it Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, she's doing it Saturday night in um, in Boca Raton. Oh and, wow! Um, we had to. We just combed through. You know, we just did a session and we combed through the uh, the material because. Everything that does touch on the epidemic, we had to sort of tailor it to, I don't know what it's like down here, but, you know, in New York, we're still blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I'm so jealous you guys can go to a restaurant, but in New York, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we have to do all these kind of um, precursors and, um, uh, you know, which tells me that very soon those jokes are going to get thrown out. Okay. Like yeah. you have to once you have to explain them and get put a caveat on them, it's t- it's maybe time to move on. Yeah, it's sort of that same feeling. Like if you leave New York and you're doing a joke about the subway, it is just not going to have the response that it will have in New York. You know what I mean? And um, it, if anything, it will you'll get almost like a resentful vibe from the audience. Like we don't have subways here. Why are you talking to us uh, without any? kind of consideration for who we are and it makes the audience feel a little bit you know screwed a little bit cheated uh that that doesn't mean you should never do a subway joke but you really need to say i live in new york and in new york we take these trains that are you know that are underground and and uh we we see people masturbating underground and it's a whole you know what i mean you have to do something to sort of paint the picture but when you do a subway joke to a Midwestern, to a Southern, to even somebody that's 60 miles outside of New York City, there's this sort of feeling that I get, like, wait a second, that's not who we are. Why are you telling us that? Is it maybe better to just avoid it? I mean, to just have other material? Again, I I will rephrase, which is, if it's a great joke, you can do right. the joke, but you're going to have to set it up. Right. You're going to have to set it up. Um I'm trying to think of, uh, of I had a, I used to have a joke that I did do about the subways and it was all it, I would do it all over and um, on the subway 
I think I just said something like, uh, you know, this happened to me on the subway. Subways, by the way, are these uh, very dirty places underground that get you from one place to another. Something like that. I just said a little something to sort of acknowledge, I know you don't have subways, but come with me on this journey. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's respectful, I think. It's it's acknowledging yeah. that they don't live where you live, and that which is a very right. typical thing that New Yorkers do. I've certainly done it in conversation. I'm just like, yeah, blah blah blah, New York, New York, New York, Manhattan, and they're like, wait, wait, I'm sorry, I'm not from there. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, well, everybody knows that, and you know, it's like, well, no, they don't. They don't live there. Yeah, it's fair. well, the same can be said for like if a if a California comic comes uh, comes to New York and does a a show, or they do a spot on uh, on one of the late night shows, and they refer to their you know their backyard, <laughs> or they refer to you know a parking place. <laughs> I was like, what is that? What is what is the backyard? What is parking place? I don't there's, know. There's, what is these things you talk of? Yeah. There's an LA comic who's been doing my open mic. Super nice guy. I'm not knocking him for it, but but you know he talks about things, and there's like there's a lot of jokes about cars, and you know a lot of jokes about the freeway, and you know these and things that just yes. and they just don't land. I mean you know like it's they're just we have no not everyone else on the on the Zoom call, you know we're all New Yorkers, and you can just feel that it's like eh, okay. Like I'm sure this stuff does fine. Like it's not. I'm not knocking the material, but it's just not going to really land with with this group. Yes, it's. I mean that that is the uh, the conundrum with comedy because you can decide uh, whether you want to do a joke just for you or you can decide if you want to do a joke for them. So this is something that comes up a lot now. But is it is it important to have a message in your act? Like, should you be trying to say something with your jokes? Oh, you mean like Dave Chappelle? Well, if you want to put it, if you want to be specific, yes. Okay. Let's, that let's, is one let's example. Hit pa- let's hit the pause button. Dave Chappelle is a god, okay? Dave Chappelle is a practitioner. He's who you want to go to if you needed to um, separate conjoined twins, right? He's not your everyday <laughs> He's not your everyday average comedian. He is incredibly gifted, but more important, Dave Chappelle has been doing comedy since he's 17 years old, okay? And he has had such highs and lows in his career, and he is uh, he's a different animal. And so Dave Chappelle can get away with a message in his act. But I think by and large, comedians, your first objective your first motivation needs to be what comedy is based on which is i'm here to make the audience laugh to forget about their problems and to uh to reflect back what is what is going on in my life that is absurd and ridiculous to it's that is the gift that we give when we do stand-up. So when a comedian who is not dave chappelle gets up and does something that reads of preachiness I recoil. I don't want to hear it I, I, right. as an audience member. I, I feel like I'm being, um, I, I feel like I'm being hoodwinked, you know, that is, so right. first of all, you know, I have, I have jokes in my act where I, you know, I, I, I gently mask that I experience some domestic violence. It's very, very thinly veiled. No one can really see it unless you have experienced violence in a marriage. And I'm telling you, I reach those women, but for everybody else, they think I'm just talking about sort of like a, you know, a crappy ex-husband. Does that make sense? 
So yeah, I can absolutely. get little mess. I can I can get little messages across when I want to, you know, or you know, I could talk about a difficult teenager and finding out that your your teenager smokes pot and what that means for you. You know, to every mom in the audience, they know underneath it that was a tough time for me. That that was that was a really painful moment because I felt like I was doing a bad job as a mother, and the mothers know that. But the rest of the crowd, anybody else that's not a mom, anybody else that's um, you know, under 35, let them just enjoy the joke for what it is. So you should, I don't think you should ever go in and say, I want to get across to the audience that, you know, men suck and women are great. Or I want to get across to the audience that, you know, Trump is awful and that, you know, we need to do something. You know, I, I, if it happens, that's great. But to have the intention of doing it is very dangerous. Well, it sounds like layers are important from what you're saying, that you can have, you can have a joke yeah. and, the, and it works on different levels for different people. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. I was a huge Daily Show fan when Jon Stewart was the host. And I loved Jon Stewart. I always, I, I just, you know, it was, it was part of my day. I didn't go to sleep until I watched Jon Stewart and then we went to sleep. Um, and when Jon Stewart started to get preachy, which he did, sure. I would really... I would I would change the channel um, because you know if if the uh, if if there wasn't a joke there to get me there then um, th- then I felt like he wasn't doing his job. Occasionally I feel that way uh, about Chris Rock. Sometimes when Chris Rock gets preachy, but you know by and large Chris Rock really does give you a payoff with the preachiness. So it's it's kind of a two edged sword. You know, like the joke right. of you know I pay. I pay my child support. Man, you're supposed to pay your child support. That is a very funny bit. And that, 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 that bit completely does get the message across that, you know, we need to step up as, as black men or whatever he's trying to say, which, I mean, that's right. how I hear it. Um, but there are times when a comedian, you know, um, uh, Carlin, when Carlin preached, I would shut down. Really? And he, yeah, and I didn't he want definitely to hear did. He definitely did. Yeah. Because I learned more from the seven words that you're not allowed to say on television. I, I you know, I, I'm intelligent enough. I don't need to be talked down to. The message that came from that is this is the most hypocritical world you could possibly live in, that those seven words are supposed to keep us safe. When, in fact, you know, you know we're the most duplicitous, um, you know, government in the world and blah, blah, blah. All that, all that was there in the joke. You don't need to then explain that and drive that home. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Because, I mean, there's definitely something of a movement, you know, towards this. I mean, because you're, I mean, you're citing it. And it's, I mean, not, I'm not naming names, but, I mean, the, that's definitely a thing that you see now where people want to, you know, they want to they tell a thing. But, like, you have that bit that you do about health insurance. Which definite, which is, um, it, it's not, it's not heavy-handed. It's, it's a hilarious bit, but it's an important topic. I mean, health insurance is obviously sure. a big, a big ticket item, and you know, it's very important for people. And I feel like that kind of war- works that balance. Um, like, was that something you went into thinking this is funny, or did you go into it thinking, okay, I need to get this out because I need, because I need people to hear this, and I need, pe- I need to rally people a little bit. Well, that's the thing. The joke, when the joke is working at its best, I'm focusing more on the funny of, of the situation. But when I start to get really, 
uh, real about how ridiculous health insurance is, I find I lose the audience just a, just a little bit. Really? You know, Ted. Yeah, Ted Alexandro does a lot of uh, getting the message out. Let's let's use him, and he's a great example. Ted, Ted Alexandro does a lot of getting the message out in his jokes, but. You will, if you watch him carefully, he always has a joke on the other end to sort of, you know, reward you for listening. <laughs> it's like, okay, everybody, that was good. Now you can have cookies and milk. And uh, <laughs> I like that. I, you know, I like how he does it. Um, and um, and even even when he's like, even when he's uh, talking about a sensitive topic, he finds a way to make you laugh along along the way so 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 the punchlines so proceed ultimately you got to stick with the punchlines um proceed with caution that's the that's the message and also remember what your job is your job is to be a comedian that is the job you have one objective which is to selflessly entertain that audience they're not there because they want church they didn't come in to listen to a political rally they came in to have a good time. Now, if you want to get a message through because it's part of a joke, that's fantastic. You know, I have, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm very liberal. I throw in a lot of, you know, zingers that, um, that, that, that uh, indicate that I'm a, you know, a supporter of, of, of the left. But, um, but I, I don't do it in, I don't do it in a way that like I, for lack of a better, I don't shit on the people that don't, think of you know that don't think like i do well i do a little bit but but in a loving way okay <laughs> well i mean you I do know. but it's I, it, I, but it's in the service of a joke yeah. i mean ultimately isn't that i mean if exactly it's, if it's, right i mean yeah. isn't, isn't it okay as long as it's in the service of a joke sure of course and here's the thing i am only one comedian this is only my opinion i i i'm you know everybody needs to have their own um their own feeling about this but, you know, if you're asking me, I think the, the, the main job of a comedian is to remember that they're there to entertain the audience. They're not there to preach. They're not there to, sh- they're not there to give a political, um, you know, <laughs> advising, that kind of thing. And well, well, it's just, it's really important to distinguish what the people came in and paid for. Well, it also sounds like somewhat, and this is something that I, you know, like, like you once said to me, I... That you, I, I said something to you about a joke that you said, and you said you couldn't, you couldn't get away with saying that. And I thought that was really interesting because it was because to, it's totally true, and it's not, it's not about, it's just about an experience thing. Like you've got a lot, you've got so much more experience that you've worked your way up to being able to say certain things and being able to talk, tackle certain topics and, and being able to tackle them with skill. Like the same thing that you just said about Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's been doing comedy since he was 17, therefore. You know, it's not just that his, it's not just his fandom, but it's also his skill level and that he's been doing this longer. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I also uh, there was there was there was a lot more to that set that we just you know, that he just released on YouTube. I mean, I think he also showed you that he was giving he was also giving the audience a gift with the way he set up a show where they could socially distance, where everybody could park and they felt taken care of. And it looked like, you know, there were security guards helping everyone find their way in the dark. And um, I don't know. He was, he, he was communicating a lot in that set. He was saying, I'm giving you guys a gift. 
you asked me to weigh in on this. I'm, I didn't want to weigh in on this because I was processing it, but I've, wait, I've processed it enough that I can share with you. And, um, and you know what? It, did get to, it, it got under his skin so much that he, he had to share. And I don't know how he did it, but he still found ways to make it funny. Sure. No, well, as you said, I mean, he's very skilled. He's he's he's, yeah. he's good at this. <laughs> that Dave Chappelle is, you know. He is good at it, but very often when Dave talks about sensitive things, case in point, when he when he addressed Louis C.K. in his act in the most hilarious way I've ever heard, right? That was about a month or a month and a half after it had happened. He processed it, and um, he, uh, you know, he, this this time he just came at it directly, right? You know, right in the middle of it. No, it was pretty raw. I mean, it was like he he sort of looked at the notebook a couple of times in the beginning, but I, you know, I'm not sure that he was. That, that seemed very from the heart. Pretty much, pretty much everything he said. You know, I, I don't. I'm not saying it wasn't written. I don't. I don't know what his process is, but he, but he was certainly not staring at his notes the whole time. He just kind of looked at it at the beginning and then just and then just put it down and just kind of talked. I think. I was I was really proud to be a comedian when I watched it, even though I'm not in any way as skilled as he is, um, or as prolific, but I just, I was impressed. I thought it was wow. terrific. Well, that's cool. Um, that's obviously really, really good to hear. So are you eager to get back to the clubs? I mean, obviously, but I feel like I have to ask it and sort of hope to start the conversation that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, on Facebook, I, I posted something the day. I'm like, I just tested positive for antibodies, which I did. And I said, nice. you know, book me with a ba- book me with abandon. And right. you know, I I, I thought I thought maybe somebody would say, listen, we're doing an event in a backyard, and you can come, and everybody spaced <laughs> out. We'd love to have. You know, I haven't heard I haven't heard it yet. Um, I mean, the, you know, the nice thing is people are still calling me for Zoom shows, and I'm you know I'm, I'm I, I I did something um, yesterday. I was on the Jewish uh, National Funds, to, uh, you know huge four-hour event that they did and you know i was in some very good company but um you know again it was a prepared piece that i that i pre-taped um oh pre-taped didn't do it that's interesting yeah i pre-taped yeah they because they ran it in a way that they could um they could really produce it so if you did a pre-taped bit and again i didn't i knew stand-up wasn't going to work in that situation so I, i actually did more of a sketch um Kind of, and I, I pre-taped that, and they and they played it. So. Now, how do you determine that? You say stand-up wouldn't work in that situation. What was different about that one as opposed to a regular Zoom show? Um, if someone says to me, "We'd like you, we'd like you to pre-tape," I'm not going to pre-tape stand-up. That oh, really okay. Is, oh, okay. I realized you know that. I mean? so maybe you had the option. That really looks contrived. So what I had is I had a very funny letter that somebody wrote. Uh, I had a very funny complaint letter that I received. And then I had a very funny response to the complaint letter. And I set it up, uh, um, you know, uh, before I read the letters. And, and um, it, it just lent itself well to a five-minute, 40-second clip. And, okay. um, and that's, that's, that's what we did. Uh, the, I would probably do something else, like, in character. Or I would do something where I'm, you know, uh, I, I've got some music underneath it. You know Jeffrey Ross, the comedian? Yeah, of course. 
okay, so, you know, earlier in his career, I don't know if he still does this, but, you know, he used to read these uh, silly poems and then he would have a, you know, pianist uh, play the music underneath it. Like that, if you tape a five minute or a three minute section of something like that, I think that works as a pre-tape. But uh, stand up straight to camera, or it could be a rant. I mean, a, a rant where it's not dependent on on a laugh, where you're just mm. going to keep going, whether there's a laugh or not, that would work as well. Um, That's a really there, good point. there are certain things I think that when I'm watching in the audience, I, I can't stand when it's you know contrived. Like, all right, Bill Maher, for example. Bill Maher is using you know fake laughter and clips of um, of audiences. No, 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 it works. It's really really. Smart. Oh, I gotta yeah, check that out. So That's like, bizarre. No, so he'll do a, he'll he'll do his monologue and then he throws to the crowd laughing, but it's the crowd from you know the Price is Right or it's the crowd from from the Olympics oh, in nineteen nineteen ninety nine. Okay, so he's not so he's just it's just there so that we've got some kind of reaction. He's not trying to trick us into thinking there's really an audience there or something. No, no, or no, using a laugh not, track. No, he we're all in on the joke, but it it uh, it makes it feel much less flat. You know, whereas when we watch when you watch Stephen Colbert do his monologue, Ugh. it's brutal. I mean, I, you know, and I, I have nothing but respect for Stephen Colbert, but it's brutal when he does his monologue because you can tell he's like saying, and a big laugh would be here. Right. <laughs> well, they're just they're, you, and I you're mean, like, it, it, it's, it's hard. A friend of mine tried to try to I, I've had this conversation with a number of people. Um, with Zoom shows, he's like, oh, you got to mute everybody. And I'm like, you can't. Like, you just can't. You've got to have at least a couple of people unmuted so that you get some sort of feedback. And, you know, and hopefully those people are good laughers. I've been pretty lucky on most of the shows that I've been on. But but sometimes, like, I did one that was Facebook Live. And Facebook Live, there's nobody. So it's just, you're just talking into a void. And it's just, you don't know what's working. And it, it just feels really weird. Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend doing that. Somebody did something... I'll give you a tip. I don't know if uh, if uh, if it'll work every time. Uh, I did a show Saturday night, and so the host came on and you know basically took everybody through the paces. This is the speaker view. This is the gallery view. He said, "Now, can you go to your microphone? Can you go to your audio settings?" And I'm like, "What's he doing?" And he had everyone go to their audio settings and take their mics down to thirty percent. So. When we were uh, when they were unmuted, they weren't overpowering the comic if they started laughing while we were doing our bit. It oh, was interesting! So genius. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I may mean, try that. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, I didn't. I, I can't tell you if it was amazingly effective because you know um, I didn't. Um, there, were, there was only eighteen people in the audience, but um, uh, I'm going to do that for my next show. I thought that was great. So open up the microphones, get get it down to 30, open up audio settings, get it down to 30%. Because, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was helping out with something last night, and it was a great crowd. They were It was really big. There were about 60 people there, a lot of really good comics. But there were a couple of people whose mics were so hot, and, and if they laughed, it, it just completely, you know, you couldn't hear the comedian anymore. Right, and so then what people decide is, oh, let's just mute everyone. And that's not the answer either. Right. No, no, you just you can't do that. I mean, I've, I've, I've that's been tried, and it's just, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, I, I'll have to check out Bill Maher. I didn't realize he was doing it with, uh, with, with clips of audience, but that is kind of funny. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's, 
it's, I, I think it's brilliant. And, um, you know, I'm not in any hurry to give him props, but I thought, right. I thought he did a great job with that. No, um, he's the only one that I know of who's doing that. Um, are you yeah. are you hearing are you hearing anything about clubs reopening? Any uh, any hot tips? I heard that Dangerfields is reopening. Really? Um, July first. July first. July first. Are they? Or July fourteenth? Really? Wow. Uh, I have the email. Okay. Let me check. Um, July fourteenth. I heard New York New York Comedy Club. I heard was opening um, September first. Um. That seems more in line. I feel like that's just – I'm just thinking of the phases, like you've got the the different phases of reopening. I feel like that, mm. I feel like we're not we're, – I, I don't remember what phase nightclubs are, but I, but I feel like it's not because I, I don't think it counts as restaurants, even if you're serving food. Although maybe if you're serving food, then you can count as a restaurant. I don't know. Oh, you know what? I take that back. Dangerfields, uh, September. Oh, September. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, so right. Dangerfield is opening. Yeah, but I think that may be the, that may be what everyone's shooting for. Yeah, September makes sense. Um, September for Dangerfield, and I, you know, I know Al Martin the said September for Broadway Comedy Club, and um, okay, wow, it's gonna be interesting. I wonder if they're gonna still be the, the, the I wonder if they're gonna have to be at. They'll probably have to be at fifty percent capacity, right? Not. Yeah, like that upstairs room at Broadway. I don't know how you do that. I, I don't know what numbers it makes sense to operate it at. Um, I mean, the yeah. downstairs the downstairs room has plenty of room, so that's not a big deal. But and Dangerfield, right. and Dangerfield, Dan- Dangerfield was oh, Dangerfield was always at fifty percent capacity. <laughs> <laughs> so it's no different. It's no different. <laughs> But it's but it's big enough so you can do that, you know. Like I mean, there's, you could probably yeah. get 200 people in there if you want to. So you get it down to 100. Right. That's not too bad. Um, do you think people Dangerfield, are going to want to? You were lucky. You were lucky if it was 50 percent capacity. <laughs> I think I performed there with 50. I think I may have performed there with 50, but definitely not full. I've definitely I've definitely have not performed there when it's full. Are are people going to be nervous about coming back? Because that's the thing that concerns me. Well, if they're there, I don't think they're going to be nervous. So once they once they can get you know, I'm, there, I'm 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 so uh, I'm I'm so confused, you know, because I talked to our mutual friend Karen, and she yes. is terrified okay. of, of 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 coronavirus, and you know, and then I speak to uh, another mutual friend of ours, Zarna, and she's like, you know, she's like, I have the mask on, give me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> It is confusing. You know it's hard I mean? to tell because even you, you look at the experts and the experts don't agree. I mean, there's I, just I, you, you, know. you just yeah. It would be nice to have somebody get out there and say, okay, like there were, there was a minute where it was like Fauci talked and everybody listened to Fauci, but it, Fauci seems to have been silenced. So I don't know what you know. I, I I I'm waiting for that one voice where where we all kind of rally around and and then for for a second it was Cuomo, but now but Cuomo's kind of pushing reopening. Some people are saying it's too soon. I don't know. I right. I agree with you. Well, I think it's confusing. We're also not, we're no longer, you know, because the pandemic is global and because we've become a global economy and a global, you know, there's globalization, you know, we could listen to Fauci, but then we're going to also listen to Macron. And if Macron has a different message or if, or if uh, uh, 
you know, if um, uh, in Germany they're saying this and, and in England they're saying that, I mean, we catch everything. So we, it, their messages are all, and they're not contradicting. I think everybody gets that wrong too. They're all saying things, they're just nuances that can be one, that can be different from the other. Having said that, I think really we're going to know a lot in about, you know, 10 days. Because if there is a huge spike from the protests, then um, mm. that's that's going to tell us a lot. If there isn't a huge spike from the protests, or it's just a little bit of a spike, I think that um, I, I think that reopening in September probably will happen. Yeah. No, I think that's probably if true. You ha- if you if right, if you're immunocompromised, you should not come to Dangerfield September 10th. But there you, you go. You know, if if you've been healthy throughout the whole thing, or you've had coronavirus, or you know, and you've recovered. I think you can come to Dangerfield. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like if you have, if certainly if you have the antibodies, it's not a big deal. Um, Corey, this has been terrific. I don't want to stop, but we have to stop because we're going to get cut off. So um, can you sure. tell everyone where they can find you on the various social medias? Absolutely. So uh, on Instagram, it's, you know, it's Corey Kahaney uh, at Instagram. And Corey is C-O-R-Y. Kahaney, K-A-H-A-N-E-Y. But if you Google any version of Corey Kahaney, you will find all of my social media platforms on Twitter. I'm at Corey Cajonis. And my, you know, my website, which has a lot of information, is CoreyCahaney.com. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Everyone, we'll be back on Wednesday at 11 o'clock. And as usual, we ask you to please stay safe. Have a good day. Stay safe.